When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be unique. It's okay to not know. And it's okay to let people know that you don't know the answer. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the great pleasure of having Sejal Lakani back with me today. How are you? How are things in Jersey? I'm good, Jerome. How are you doing? Things are good in Jersey. <laughs> cold, but good. It's cold, but good. We, hit, we got caught by the cold front as well, but the listeners don't care about the weather. They want to know about you and what you have going on. So do me a favor, and before we dive into that, Tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you after they love hearing what you have to tell us about today. Sure. Shoot me an email at S-L-A-K-H-I-N-I at TechWorks, which is T-E-C-H-W-E-R-X-E dot com. Okay. So I got to ask, what's a tech work? <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we are an MSP and you're going to say, well, what the hell is that? Okay. We're managed service providers. So we basically become the IT department for businesses, for small and medium businesses. So everything from like help desk, which is my mouse doesn't work, all the way to cybersecurity, breaches, private cloud, compliance, the whole thing. Now that's fancy. How did you get into (laughs) something like that? Give me the story. Like, tell me about your background and kind of what you've been working on. And then how did we get to this place? Oh, that is a loaded question, Jerome. So there's, (laughs) so I'll tell you, I actually worked through the banks. So I was at Merrill Lynch, uh, Deutsche Bank, Morgan Stanley. I started on the trading floor, moved throughout the banks for 12, 13 years. In the midst of that process, I um, got married and my husband actually started this IT company in 2008. And so in 2012, I had two kids by then. And I was absolutely exhausted from my hours. I traveled a ton. I've lived all over the world, you know, working for these banks. And in 2012, 
I decided after a 42 minute meeting that I thought was an absolute waste of time that I was going to quit. And so I quit, got on the train, called my husband and I'm like, by the way, you know, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I quit my job. And he goes, what? Cause go back, <laughs> go back. And we had just moved into our like dream house. I had a, I had a one, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I mean, we were, yeah, we just built our dream house. Like it was, it was not part of the plan, you know? So, um, so I quit my job. I decided I was going to stay home and hang out and go to the cafes and pick up tennis and, you know, have a lot of fun. And I did that for about three months. And after three months, I thought I was going to go bat shit crazy. <laughs> so my husband's like, all right, well, why don't you kind of dabble in what I'm doing? See if you like it. And my husband is brilliant on the technical side. Like he's absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant wasn't that good at the sales and stuff. So um, I started doing some stuff and lo and behold, two years later, I was running the company and he was managing the technical side. Things have obviously changed since then, but that's, yep, that was 2015. Oh my goodness. That's a lot in a little bit of time, I know. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So (laughs) without having a conversation first, like that seems to be everybody's biggest like concern is like, well, I can't quit because my partner won't be okay with it. But you just quit and said, oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> when you put it that way, uh, fair. Uh, you know, I did. I did. It just wasn't the right thing. It was, I'd done it for so many years. It just, it, when it was time, it was time. And I knew we would figure it out. And he's very supportive. He was extremely supportive. So I knew we would figure it out. I know I can see your eyes. You're like, girl, you're crazy. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I was just done. So that was it. So what happened? Was it just cumulative or was there an event where you're like, or had you been thinking about it at least? And then you walked in, he's like, enough is enough. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I'll do <laughs> no. ups. So, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. So we, we started building our house in, I think, 2011. And my husband said to me, he goes, look, we're going to build our dream house. So either we build a dream house and you continue working or, you know, we stay where we are and um, you, you can quit, hang out with the kids, do what you want to do. And I said, no, of course, I'm going to continue working. I love working. I truly do love working. Um, but it got hard. I was traveling. The kids were young. And this meeting was a 7 a.m. meeting on a Monday morning. And instead of waking up and cuddling my kids or even seeing them, I had to leave my house at 5.30, which meant I woke up at, at about 5 a.m. So to, for me to get to the city and be in my desk ready for a meeting at 7 a.m., I was leaving the house at 5.30. I was, you know, I was catching the 5.40-something train. And we literally wasted 42 minutes in that meeting. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I was like, There's, there, this absolutely doesn't make sense. So that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I got to get myself together. Okay. <laughs> that can't be the beginning and the end of the story. Had you been going to meetings that you didn't want to go to for a long time? Had you been? Honestly, that was the beginning and the end of the story. Like I was just working a lot. 
And I just, it just hit me. And I was like, I can't believe that I missed time with my, you know, with my baby this morning. And I, and probably it was going on for a little bit of time, like in my head, like I was getting home late. I had half an hour with my kids. If my husband was late picking me up from the train station, I was livid because it was like 10 minutes that I didn't have with my kids. So it was a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, no, thank you. Thank you. Done for a little bit. Okay. And so you do the stay at home mommy thing and you're like, this isn't what I want to do with my life. No. Complete. No. I want to be a mommy, but I also want to have a career. And then you start working with hubby, figuring out who's doing what and when they're doing it on and so forth. And I imagine it was just perfect the entire time, right? It worked out exactly. Oh my God. Unicorns and rainbows. I mean, we were like, <laughs> are you crazy? We almost killed each other every day. I mean, working with your husband, right? And him working with me, although he would say that I was unicorn and rainbows. But uh, working with my husband, living together, raising kids together, absolutely not. We had a serious separation of, of duties, of responsibilities. I'm on top of that, my brother-in-law, my husband's brother also worked for the company at the time. So we, we definitely had our ups and downs, um, you know? And we were building a business, we were running a business, we were growing a business. There are things that he did better. There are things that I did better. Um, expectations, communications, all of that stuff kind of rolled into stuff. And we, we definitely had some problems. And we talk about them. And some of them lasted a day or an hour. And some of them lasted a couple of weeks. And we just had to work through them. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so how did you come to the place where you were like, okay, we're going to keep doing this. I'm going to help grow the business. I know what I'm good at, which is the sales piece, and I can help scale this thing. Like, how did you guys arrive at, hey, here's how we split it up, and here's how we're going to move forward? So I have zero technical expertise. I, I, the people around me, the people I hire are the ones with the technical expertise. Um, I can grow the business. He was absolutely brilliant on the technical side. So it was already a given that he would do the technical piece. And then I had to reprogram myself because I worked at the banks. I worked in big corporate America. I wasn't working with small and medium-sized businesses. I didn't have a network. I didn't know where to go. So it's really about getting out there, learning how to do sales on the smaller side, learning how to, I know how to run a business. I know how to do operations. I know how to, you know, sort of manage all of that stuff, do the marketing, who to call. Uh, I know how to network. So it just made sense for me to take on that piece. He took on the other piece and we were able to do some pretty awesome things. Without question. So when did you realize, hey, I'm going to stay here and do this? Was your mind always made up? Or when you guys were doing a little struggle and trying to figure it out, you're like, well, maybe I should just go get a job. Or maybe I don't want all of the income for our household tied to this one thing. So the all the income for the household was definitely a big thing. But that made it all the more, you know, made us all the more motivated to make sure that things were going and we kept moving. I don't, I don't think I ever thought about leaving. Uh, it afforded me the flexibility. I got to be home with my babies. I got to be out when I needed to. I had the adult connections. Um, there were times where him and I, I mean, obviously we were working together, doing all the stuff. We didn't agree on things. Um, we went through some rough patches. Um, but I don't think I ever thought about leaving. And so now that you've kind of seen your way through all of this, what was your worst fear in the process and how'd you work your way through it? Well, 
the worst fear, unfortunately, did happen. So my husband passed away last year unexpectedly at 39. So he, so I, I became CEO of the company in 2015 and we were doing things. And like I said, things weren't phenomenal. Things were phenomenal. We went ups and downs. We really grew the business. Uh, last year in February, he had an unexpected heart attack and passed away. I would say there's nothing else I could, you know, that could have been worse. So now I'm dealing with a business that he started that he was the primary tech for. Um, yes, I've hired for that. I've got amazing people in place right now. But at that time, I couldn't even fathom what I was going to do. I had clients I needed to service. I closed down um, 50% of my business because I needed to focus on the other 50% that I knew was going to bring in the right amount of revenue. I had two grieving kids. Uh, at the time, they were 10 and 8. And I lost my husband and my business partner and everything else that goes in between that. So... I kind of hit that. So your the second part of your question was, well, how did you get through it? The thing I told my kids, the thing we said in the eulogy at the funeral was option A isn't an option anymore. So we need to kick the shit out of option B. And that is something um, that's in the book, option B. And I'm, I'm sure most people have heard about it. And what I would say is this, I leaned on people. I had colleagues hire my right-hand guy right now, who's amazing. He runs the entire technical aspect of the company. My clients didn't leave me because we always had good relationships. We were managing expectations. We were managing communications. My kids went into therapy right away. And so we were able to make sure that they were getting what they needed from that side and my side. I had to keep the business going because I got to pay the mortgage. And I had to make sure that I was giving enough time to the kids. And I have the most amazing network of people from my family, my parents, my sister, to my friends, and even now my in-laws, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my entire set of colleagues. I have just an incredible network. And so if I needed help, I asked, and there's no, there no shortage of help at all. So, I mean, if I needed to get rid of the kids for a weekend because I needed me time, or if I needed somebody you know, like I said, I lost my husband. Soon after that, my brother-in-law quit. And we were having, you know, there's always rough family times when things like this happen. And my friends stepped in, my colleagues stepped in, my partner stepped in, you know, my, my, you know, my colleagues, they all stepped in. They're like, not a problem. We can help you. We're going to hire somebody for you. We're going to find someone for you. We're going to answer your calls for you. We're going to go to your client sites for you. You know, we're going to help you with this. We're going to, whatever the case was, my network was amazing. So was there a point when everything was on the line? Was that like rock bottom? Was there a point where everything was on the line? I don't think there was a time that everything was on the line because my colleagues wouldn't let it fail. They ran my company for a little bit for me. They knew what I needed before I needed it, before I knew what the hell I needed. When I say I have a strong network, I mean, just think about it this way. I had a couple of them reach out to my right-hand guy and pretty much offer him a job without even talking to me and said, she doesn't even know she needs somebody. When she does, I'll let you know. I've had colleagues that have through all the trust in the States and all of that stuff. They're like, you don't need to deal with it. We'll talk to your accountant and we'll talk to your trust in the state lawyer. You can just don't worry about it. And they do all of that for me. I have, you know, colleagues that or, or friends or, or family that are like, I'm sorry, what do you want to do? You want, you, you want us to take the kids? Not a problem. We'll take the kids for a, a week. Um, you know, a day, a week, whatever. I have an amazing network. 
I, I don't think that there was a point where everything was on the line. I can tell you emotionally, I probably felt like, what am I going to do? I can't pinpoint a single time where I could say everything was on the line and I thought it was done. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Sure you did. I mean, just listening to what you said, right? And you can argue with me, which I enjoyed. But when you said everybody stepped in and they told you, or they did the things that you didn't know you needed done, because you were overwhelmed, I would assume. I would be overwhelmed without a question. And the whole technical aspect to the business that you knew very little about, and probably the other person who knew the most quit, I feel that was the point where it's like, uh-oh. And then everybody just kind of worked fixed it. But Well, so that's not the order it went in. The order it went in was after my husband passed away, some of my colleagues realized that I would need somebody. They'd already reached out. They were already helping me. Then he quit. I wasn't alone at all. So I would agree with you normally, but in this particular case, they saw what was coming. They knew what was happening. And so, you know, we all talk about implicit trust. And in a time like now, right, in the environment we're in and the craziness that's going on, implicit trust is almost impossible to come by. And I can flat out tell you that I have implicit trust on several people that I would hand over my bank card, hand over my keys, hand over my kids. And I'm not talking family. I'm not talking my mom, my dad, my sister, which I do. I'm not talking her husband. I, I already have implicit trust there, but this is a different set. And that's why I would have to say that I don't think I, I, I knew that I could just reach out and I'd be carried through. Wow. That's amazing. Because I think so few people have that type of network. Like they are 100% just struggling to figure out who they can trust in any way, shape, or form. So to hear you say, oh my goodness, that that's wow. Good for you. What about you attracted those people into your world? How do you relationship with people such that they are excited to? just give to you in that way? Because I suspect that there wasn't a ton of upside for them doing those things for you. So I think people mistake networking and building relationships with what can you give me? Like, why do I want to be friends with you? How can you help me? And I think you need to flip that, right? It's how can I help you? And eventually it comes around, right? So when, when I build my networks and I have two amazing groups that I'm part of right now, uh, one is EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global organization of, of entrepreneurs. And one is C4BX, which is Connect for Business Exchange, which is where these colleagues that I'm talking about that hired people that stepped in, they're a part of. And I think the thing that you know people really need to know is how, how can you help? How can you give yourself to people? And you help people when you do that. It really, it just comes back. Those are the type of people that get attracted to you because they also want to be the ones to help. You know, there are times that I've done plenty of things for, for these people. And last year, when I needed more than anything, they all stepped in. Okay. So now, I don't know where this is going to take us, but I'm going to ask anyway. You have a nick. They call you Sage. Where did that come from? Oh, just, just that. Just the shortening of Sage all. 
It does not mean I'm wise. They would all agree that they don't think I'm wise. <laughs> they just, they just, Sejal just got too long. So they just went, that's it. <laughs> Cut it off. Okay. All right. There's so much stuff here. You're so courageous. I can't believe you held it together. Oh my goodness. I would have been in tears and all the things. Oh, I was. I mean, look, we've, we've all been there. Of course I was. And we still do. We still cry every day and we talk every day. And, you know, the boys and I, you know, they, they still go through the ups and downs. And I don't think it's a matter of holding it together. I think you just have to keep moving forward. You can take your cries, take your time, wallow in it, get angry, get mad, and then get up and move on. So and hopefully it's not too personal, but I have a friend who's got a podcast called Guards Down. And one of the questions that he asked pretty regularly is, did your parents prepare you to deal with trauma and grief? And every guest that he's interviewed so far, the answer is no. So what made you comfortable with sending your kids to counseling? Because there's always some stigma with it. And what did you do to help yourself with the trauma of losing such somebody so close to you? Yeah, I agree with you on the stigma. And it sucks because therapy can really help. So I 100% agree with you on the stigma. I think people don't talk about it. They don't talk about being depressed. They don't talk about having therapists. It wasn't even a question. My husband passed away on February 28th. We told the kids on March 1st. Or was it the 29th? I don't know if last year was sleep year. But anyway, uh, we told them the next day, my kids were in therapy two weeks later. There was not an option. I didn't give a shit about anyone or anything. I didn't. I cared that my kids had somebody to talk to. And that was it. And they needed to, because I wasn't fit to do all the talking with them. So yeah, maybe there is a stigma. I, I know there's a stigma. I do think that because of my situation, the stigma doesn't necessarily apply. And maybe that's why it was easier. But I think we need to get over it. I think if we're, we're taking the step to talk to therapists, that's an amazing step to take. That's like self, don't you read self-improvement business books? I mean, some people do yoga, some people do self-improvement, some people take classes on cooking and stuff. You do all those things to better yourself. And I think this is one of them that people do. Now, that being said, I don't see a therapist. Yeah, I never had the time in the beginning, never made the time. And so what I do is I have, a couple of friends that are my absolute confidants that I talk to, you know, every day and I just vent and I'm not being judged. I just need to get it out. I can say a hundred different things in a hundred different ways and they just listen and that's it. I can be mad. I can be upset. I can be frustrated. I can be angry. I can be a whole bunch of things. And then we get through it. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so what are you most grateful for at this point? I'm grateful that my kids are thriving and not surviving. That's what I'm most grateful for. My boys smile. They're doing well in school. They have friends. They've got amazing friend circles. They hang out. They go out. They do all these amazing things. And yes, they miss their father like crazy. But they are smart, intelligent, good, and adjusted boys. And I, I contribute a lot of that to therapy. Wow. Wow. <sighs> a lot of heavy stuff, I know. I don't think you knew we were going there today. <laughs> I didn't. And the beginning was so lighthearted, I didn't see you turning the corner on me. But it's okay. 
because this is going to help so many people who have tough things going on, not sure how they're going to get through it, maybe even a little scared to ask for help. And I think your courage, your conviction on the path to take and why to take it is going to free them to actually do something. And so for me, going into the holidays, which tend to be some of the loneliest times for people who lose people along the way, uh, they are going to have some encouragement and realize, hey, I'm not the only one. Because I think that's where people struggle the most. They start to isolate. They feel like they're the only one that's going through it or went through it. And nobody can understand what's going on in their world. And what they really need is people who are willing to share their story and be vulnerable about the things that have happened, because that is where the healing actually comes from. So Sage, I am so excited that you were courageous enough to share that with us today. So I've got three, maybe four questions left, depending on how you answer them. The one is, what dream are you most focused on catching next? So I'm launching a new company in January. So I have a current company. I'm launching sort of like a sister company. And I have two other businesses that I also run. Uh, those two businesses I run with partners. So the next dream is just to continue building. You know, you have this fear that you're now responsible for everything. And, you know, a friend of mine said this to me a long time ago, last year at some point, he goes, no decision you make is the wrong decision. Every decision you make is the right decision, no matter what. And then tomorrow, you can make a different decision. And I, you know, I'm starting to launch this company. I'm doing it on my own for the first time ever. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to start building out my company. And, you know, we're, you know, we got stable towards the beginning of the year. COVID hit. We did well through COVID. Um, so it's really just continue moving forward on, on, on the business front, on the professional front. Okay, you got to tell us about the company. What, what is it? Don't keep the secret. <laughs> um, so it's called Cloudworks. We are basically, I know a lot of people are familiar with like AWS and, and Azure, like the clouds for Amazon and all that kind of stuff. So it's a private cloud for small and medium businesses. So we'll sell it to other IT companies and they can put their clients on our cloud. What makes your cloud safe? Uh, we are compliant. It's all the tools and all of the certifications that we get. It is, I know it's so hard for people to understand, but we have, um, we have certain compliances we have to follow, certain audits that need to be done, certain tools, hardware, software, trainings, et cetera, that makes our cloud not only safe, but affordable for small and medium businesses. It makes it, it's all enterprise level. So, you know, when you think about it, a small and medium business deserves, if not deserves more, security and stuff than a larger business and they don't have the money to pay for it um so it's really just that balance of what you need and 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 um and offering that to our clients now sage i know that your phone still rings from time to time and people are inviting you to come back into that old workforce having meetings at seven o'clock in the morning and you pretend like that doesn't happen but i know that it does from time to time it does. It does. Why haven't you just folded it up and released some of the pressure of having everything stop with you and some of the other challenges? Why not just go back into that old way of life? Because I would suck at it. I am, I'm my own boss. 
I'm home with my babies when I need to be. I am home to answer their, why can't we get online right now? Because we're schooling from home, mom, to, you know, soccer games, to watching them in chorus, to doing all the things that I can do. Not just that, playing tennis in the middle of the day if I wanted to, getting my workout in. Um, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love the flexibility of it. I work really hard. A lot of people say when you own your own business, you're your own boss, you don't have to work so hard. I know what I just said made it seem like you can do all these things in the middle of the day. But I wake up at 530 in the morning. I go through my emails. I answer my stuff. I'm working way past the kids are in bed. Um, But I get to have dinner with the boys every day. And I get to have breakfast with the boys every day. And if I choose to do so, I get to pick them up from in the middle of school, obviously not now, but before, and take them out to lunch. Um, And I can work these things into my schedule. And so first and foremost, I need to be there for the kids, especially now. Sounds like clarity of your priorities, huh? A little bit so. I also love that they see me working hard. If you ask my boys, both of them, they'll tell you mommy's not home because she's in a meeting. She's working hard. Mommy's got to work extra hard now. You know, they're I like them seeing that. They should see that. They should see how hard it is. Okay, so the last two. First, what gift are you giving the world? Besides me? No. Uh, <laughs> um, what gift am I giving the world? You know, that's, that's a really hard question. And here's what I would say. The first thing is to raise good people. My kids are good people. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Intolerance, regardless of what side you're on, it's on both sides. The inability to talk to someone because they have a different point of view, the inability to have empathy. So that's number one. I'm raising two good, good people, good humans. And we all make mistakes, but being able to own up to the mistakes is, is, is a big one. So that's, that's the first thing. And the second thing is just my story. It's going out there, like you said, I, you know, people look at you and people are like, oh my God, you have everything and you do this and you run this and you've never had any issues. And oh my God, it should be, you know, it's so easy for you. And you go through these things and you tell them the, the, the challenges you've gone through. You tell them that your marriage wasn't perfect. You know, it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows. And you tell them about the vulnerabilities. You tell them about, you know, closing down half your business, you know, minimizing your revenue. You tell them about reaching out to people and asking them for help. Um, without feeling slighted. You tell them about sending the kids to therapy. It's really just going out there and giving people the story that it's, it's not great. You're going to have a lot of valleys, but you can make them out if you just kind of move forward. It's just one step at a time. So I think you're giving us the gift of transparency and authenticity. And everything that you said, I mean... You talked about some really uncomfortable things today, right? And that can lead a lot of people to just hide because they're scared of being judged. You mentioned that word early in the conversation where you're talking about being able to talk to your friends and just vent, right? Worry about them judging you and being able to have them listen. And I'm not sure if they participate in solving the problems or you just want to share, but they do. And so that in and of itself is exciting because you don't feel like you have to put on a facade. You don't feel like you have to pretend to be something that you're not in order to actually live and exist. And for me, showing up as your true self 
is the best gift. So when you joked and said, besides me, my gift in the world, I think maybe in this instance, you as your authentic self being transparent is enough. And so Sage, I'm super grateful that you came on the show today. And I'm going to wrap it with the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What's the thing that you want our listeners to take away from this show? It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be unique. It's okay to not know. And it's okay to let people know that you don't know the answer. I think we're in a world where everyone has to know everything and we're really righteous and we're really right and they have to be right all the time. And what I say is the way everything should go. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to be offended. It's okay to do all of these things. It's the next step that means something. Make yourself in a way that you would want others to be for you. So build those relationships, build that book, because that's really important. I can hands down say that me, my kids, and my company would not be around had it not been for my network. 150%. I've had surgery since my husband's passed away. You can't tell two kids who lost their father that your mother's going into the hospital for surgery. That doesn't work. Having people there to manage the kids, my parents to take them, my friends to answer their phone calls pretending to be me. But I mean, all of these things need to happen. Each on its own sounds very little, but when you put it all together, you're talking about helping a family who lost their husband, their business partner, their father thrive. Um, and at a young age, he wasn't 70, he wasn't 60, he wasn't sick, he wasn't anything. It was just, boom, you know, so be vulnerable, be okay, not being okay, but don't sit in it. You have to move forward. And whatever that means to you, maybe today just means showering. Maybe the next day it means getting a job whatever it means. Sage, this was an awesome, awesome episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm so grateful that you came into my network and I look forward to continuing this conversation. You said implicit trust. Never heard anybody use that to describe people that they work with. I've only heard that description for romantic relationships. So this. Nope. These two people, implicit trust. This is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk soon. Jerome, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.